Welcome to North Georgia Business Radio X. I'm your host, Bo Henderson, here with Dr. Bill Lampton. And Dr. Bill, welcome to the show today. Yes, Bo, it's great to be here. And you know, yesterday being Labor Day, I think prompted a lot of us to think about all the people who do work to make our country so great. And in our case, to make the North Georgia Business Radio audience so successful in many ways. That's right. And, and talk about the businesses and the, and the things they give back to the community, from the tax revenue to the jobs. It's such a pleasure to really see the businesses we have and the people behind them. And we have a couple of good ones today. Yes, we do. And, and as you say, I've been looking over the list recently of those who have been our guests during our first few months of the show. And you and I have learned plenty about the community and so have our listeners. Well, first, I want to go right into it. I'm going to bring in a special guest, and I'll tell you her nickname in just a little bit, so you want to stay tuned for that. It's Jessica Wade with Jessica Wade Real Estate. Now, Jessica went to North Hall High School, Kennesaw State University with marketing, studied marketing, and today she's going to talk about Jessica Wade Real Estate. How's it going, Jessica? Hey, Bo. It's great. How are you doing? Doing good. Well, first, tell me, so what was the path? Did you go straight from Kennesaw State marketing to real estate, or what, what was the path there? No, there was definitely a journey to get from uh, college into real estate, Um, but I kind of went through sales and marketing. That's always been my passion, always something that I've enjoyed doing. So I uh, started with selling advertising in a magazine and published a magazine and then um, transitioned from that into real estate. My husband said, you'd be great in real estate. And I thought, he's kind of crazy, but I took his advice and... uh, was hired as an assistant for a real estate agent and found out that I loved real estate and was able to um, partner with this agent and start a brokerage and uh, have just thoroughly enjoyed the real estate journey and what all I've been able to accomplish by helping people buy and sell homes. And over six years later now, right? Six years later, yes. And we're talking before the show, busy as you can stand, which is a good thing. That's It's a wonderful thing, yes. But I think real estate is a lot more complicated than a lot of people think. I think it sounds like a good idea. Why don't you go be a real estate agent? So my question is, has there been some, well, let's do both sides. What's what's your favorite thing about real estate? And what's been, let's say it a nice way, what's been the most challenging thing you've run across? So yes, people say all the time, oh my goodness, I think I would be great at real estate. What, you know, what do you think? I love looking at houses. And I love to say, that is such a small percentage of what real estate agents do. Um, what I absolutely love about real estate and what it d- allows me to do is to help people through probably their largest investment purchase or their largest investment sale. And there's a lot of emotions that get kind of brought up into that real estate purchase and sale process. So I absolutely love being able to walk alongside individuals as they navigate that world. Um, So I kind of call myself more of a counselor than a real estate agent when it comes to those situations. Um, Something that I also love about real estate is no two days are ever the same. Ever, 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 ever. Um, And so some of the challenging things that I've had, I have learned more about septic systems (laughs) and chimneys than I ever knew. Or wanted to know. Or wanted to know. Yes, the baffles and the cracks and the structures and um, all of those things. um, You know, those have been very eye-opening to me at what all can happen to septic systems and chimneys kind of strangely enough. I think one of the things that uh, an outsider who talks to you and says, gee, I think I'd like to go into real estate, 
they don't recognize how much you need to know. Well, the real estate exam itself is is tough enough. And then another thing we all know, uh, who know the facts about real estate, is that um, while other people are enjoying the golf course or the lake on the weekends, you might get phone calls that you have to pay a lot of attention to. Yes, that is absolutely true. So yesterday was Labor Day, and um, I, you know, I do my, I do try to, you know, limit my business with my personal. But I was absolutely negotiating a contract yesterday, and um, you know, that just goes with the, with the nature of the business. A lot of times, people want answers right away. Again, it's their largest typical investment. So as a seller, um, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, you got an offer. Well, I need to see it right away. So, and I do want to respect that. Um, so yes, you are working a lot. Now, there are many businesses that have a nine to five sign on their their door. You can't have that, can you? Right. That is an accurate statement. Yes. Well, I think you brought up a great point. Say you're dealing with 10 clients. To that, each one, this is probably the most important thing in their life right now. And and having realizing that can really help because they're not really they're not thinking hey I'm one of ten this lady's helping here right this is the most important thing in my life right yes yes and I do try to let everyone know that they are a huge priority but you know you do have to to set those boundaries and set realistic expectations yeah well well maybe I will ask you that so what would be <laughs> what would be two or three tips to being a good client or good customer when you're selling or buying a house? Um, I think, you know, just being patient and waiting on the real estate agent to reach out to you. Sometimes uh, we'll have showings and the client is like, well, what did they think? You know, they just left 10 minutes ago. What, what did they say? What did they? And um, I'm like, okay, the agent is probably showing four more houses. It's going to be probably tomorrow at the earliest before we get feedback. So just understanding that as real estate agents, we all have clients and we're all working through that. So being patient with the response time from your agent and knowing that they're probably doing a lot of things behind the scenes. Um, Something else is making sure before you go look at properties, get pre-qualified with the lender. So many times people are like, well, I just wanted to see it. I'll get pre-qualified after I look at the property. And this just happened to me a couple weeks ago. Um, A couple, they called me and they said, hey, we want to go look at this property. It had been on the market for about 24 hours and we get out there and they fell in love. I said, okay, great. Well, we need to have that pre-approval letter before we can submit an offer. While we were standing in the driveway and I was giving Mm -hmm. them lender information, the agent called and said the property's already under contract. Ouch. So they missed the opportunity to be able to make an offer on that property because they weren't pre-qualified before looking at properties. Um, So that's something. And then, um, you know, as sellers, just to um, not beat yourself up over the condition of your home. A lot of times sellers are like, I can't list it until, you know, I've pressure washed and I've painted and I've done that. Those are all excellent items, but they're not requirements before listing a property. So just giving yourself grace and going ahead and moving forward. If, if listing and selling is what's your priority, then go ahead and move forward with that. Don't try to keep putting it off until all conditions are perfect because no, at any time, no conditions will all be perfect. Do you find situations, I imagine this happens, where um, to try to get a little bit more money out of the sale of a house, it ends up costing people more by trying to hang on to this or that and not just getting an offer through? Yes, absolutely. So many times people will say, well, if I redid my kitchen, what's my return on investment? And sometimes it makes sense to do some updates to a kitchen, but a lot of times it doesn't make sense. So it, it just is really having a professional come out and give you that um, that objective opinion on does it make sense to upgrade? Does it make sense to um, 
you know, finish the remodel project. A lot of times so many people will halfway finish their basement and then they don't take it to the final step. And um, so just having a professional come in and tell you, yes, this is what you should do to move forward or, or not do. Well, I heard somebody said a long time ago that real estate transaction will happen at the right price. So let's talk about the importance of getting the price right or pricing overall. Yes, pricing is so important in real estate. And, you know, if you overprice the market, then your house is probably going to sit on the market a little bit longer. And if you underprice your home, you'll find that the people who are qualified to purchase that home may not look at it because it's underpriced. I have personally seen both sides of that happen where you've overpriced a property or underpriced a property. And as a real estate professional, it's important to kind of determine what is that market range and not going above or below. What is a ready, willing, and able buyer willing to pay for that property? Um, and that's, that is the key to determining a price of a property. How do um, homes in this area compare, for example, to the Atlanta area price-wise? Yeah, so price-wise, um, there is definitely a difference in housing in the Atlanta market versus in the Hall County market. Um, for instance, my sister's home is uh, downtown Atlanta, and she has about a 1,500 square foot home and recently had it appraised, and it appraised for about 400, I think it was 460 or $470,000 for a 1,500 square foot home. In the Hall County market, that same size property would probably be between 200 and 250,000. So there definitely is an advantage to living in the suburbs um, if, if price is an issue for you. And then Obviously, that increases your commute time if you work in downtown. And as far as the Atlanta market goes, it, it varies from county to county. Yes. And, you know, so much of real estate does vary, but even as small as school district to school district. In wow. Hall County, we have a difference in pricing from the East Hall school district to the North Hall or Flowery Branch school district. And now with the brand new Cherokee Bluff district, that all all those little districts have a variation in pricing. So absolutely from county to county is there a difference, um, but there's also a difference as small as school district to school district. To what extent, Jessica, do you, do you have to satisfy the entire family? For example, the parents might like a place, but they got three children who are shaking their heads. Yes. So like I said earlier, I feel like I'm a counselor a lot of the times. A lot of times it's the kids versus the parents or it's the husband versus the wife. So I'm kind of having to be the negotiator and the uh, and just really mediate those emotions and those feelings through the process. Um, it's great when we walk into a property and everybody is excited. Um, that's obviously what we're going for is we want all parties to be happy about it. Um, and it makes my job difficult if I have a wife coming to me saying, gosh, I cannot believe he likes this house. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like I said, a lot of times I am just really controlling emotions and um, just being those counselors and listening ears and helping people see the pros and the cons for different situations. Well, I like the way you said that it's a guide because that's really, I think, what people are looking for is help me through this process because there's so many um little details that you have to do from from the starting to look for a house getting the paperwork right and really closing um but i did have a, another question come up 
Jessica, this. I've been seeing a lot of this marketing with these instant offer type of real estate companies. What is that all about? Yes. So, you know, in our area, we have um, we have a couple of companies that are doing that. We've got the Zillow's, the Open Doors, Offer Pads. Um, in other markets, there's other in, uh, other ones of these instant offers coming online. Um, and sometimes those make excellent options, um, and sometimes they don't. But regardless of if you're going to use one of those options or look into it, understand that the real estate process is very legal, and it's important to seek proper counsel before you sign any agreement with any of those companies. Um, I just had a dear friend of mine was trying to sell her home to one of these companies. They were already through the due diligence period, and the other company sent over a unilateral termination saying that it was a poor business decision to move forward with the purchase. And unfortunately, legally... It, what they did was illegal. You can't breach the contract at that point. And these companies are so big, there was there were no attorneys willing to take it on because it would have been a costly process. And in exchange, one of these instant offers companies just gave her the earnest money, which was $1,200. But there was a lot of time and emotion spent on that deal for it to fall apart at the end. So you know, sometimes they're great. My parents just sold their home to one of these people and they, they did very well in it. So again, there may not be the best situation, but they are out there and they may work. I mean, they're, they, you'll get less than market price for the property, but if that's a quick close and an easy close is important to you, then they may actually be of benefit. But doesn't that, doesn't that take some of the relationship out of the equation? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. When my parents were working through theirs, I mean, they had an agent in uh, California and New York. I mean, you are dealing with people from all over the country. Um, so you are totally missing that somebody to hold your hand through the process. They were lucky they had me to fall back on. But I would say if you're going to entertain one of those, make sure you have an attorney on your side and make sure you have a real estate agent on your side before you move forward with any of those offers. There's a trend that that I've noticed nationally. I wonder if it's taking place in Georgia where people are looking what they're call calling tiny houses or mm-hmm. mini houses and that that seems to be something that is catching on in different places. Is that happening in Georgia? Not as much in Georgia because the local governments regulate the minimum square footage requirements. And I believe Hall County, they just increased theirs. I want to say it was either 14 or 1500 square feet is the minimum square footage that you can build a home in our area. So a lot of times the local governments, they don't want these many houses to be coming into their communities. So they're not as popular, especially in our area, as they are in some other areas. I could see you in a mini house riding around, (laughs) Dr. Bell. Well, I don't know. Mine seems small enough right now. Well, Jessica, one of the things, um, if somebody's listening, either they're thinking, hey, it's time to sell, um, or I'm ready to look at something to buy, is there any areas you don't help with, or there's areas of specialization that's really your thing? that people should say, okay, that's that's the lady for this. Yes. So I love working with um, first-time homebuyers. I love working with downsizers. That is such an emotional process for somebody going through the downsizing um, process of life that I enjoy being able to give them encouragement and walk them through that process. Um, 
I don't handle any um, commercial real estate. That's not my expertise, but any of the residential, I, I truly do thrive on helping families um, get bigger homes or their permanent homes or helping them find homes in their school district. I think that, um, again, in Hall County, we have such an awesome school system, but there are times when one school makes sense over another school and being able to navigate that process um, with them. I just, I truly enjoy working with families. Oh, I like that. Your bookending, helping that important transition the first time and then the downsizing maybe into the, the final home, the retirement home. Yes. Well, let, let's let's look at that. Is it possible? So sometimes it's not real simple. I don't, I'm not just going to buy something or sell something. I might need to sell my house to get into this new house we're moving into. Is it possible to, how do you navigate that? Can you do that at the same time? Yes. So you absolutely can do it at the same time. And it is a little tricky and you didn't have somebody that has walk that process with people before because you are working with a couple of different sets of emotions. You've got potentially, you know, the buyer of your home, you're the seller, and then you are buying your next home and then that um, seller. So there's multiple people dependent on the transactions, plus the lenders, plus the closing attorneys. Um, But you absolutely can do a closing, have temporary occupancy for, uh, you know, I usually uh, recommend three to seven days so that close on the one house, close on the other house, have your temporary occupancy, move your stuff, and then the, the transition is seamless. But you do have to have somebody that has walked that journey with others to understand how to make sure all parties are going to be happy and um, navigate that process smoothly. Okay, and that avoids some of those contingency issues and things that you might run into, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. very good. Well, Jessica, somebody out there listening, I know um, anything to say about this. I know from knowing you, because you helped me buy a home recently. I did, yes. Um, that education is a key component. And, and it's kind of like what I talk about with the retirement side. Knowledge is power. When you know the rules, know how things work, you can navigate it successfully. So if somebody's out there listening saying, hey, this is coming up or I'm in the middle of this and would like to reach out to you and find out more to have some guidance on this, what's the best way? Yes. So um, I'm very active on Facebook. If you happen to be on Facebook, please go find my uh, Facebook page, Jessica Wade Real Estate. That is a great way to reach out to me. Um, And then you can go to the website, um, fouracesrealestate.com. That will uh, direct anybody back to me as well. But Facebook is probably where I spend most of my time. Well, Jessica, thanks so much for being on North Georgia Business Radio X. And I did promise our listeners, her name is the Gainesville Giggler, is yes. her nickname. <laughs> See what I mean? Yes. She just proved it right there. Yes. Yes. So Jessica Wade with Jessica Wade Real Estate. Again, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Bo. Dr. Bill, I think you have another guest to bring in. It's pretty fascinating. Yes, indeed, Bo. I have known Kay Blackstock for much of the time that I've lived in Gainesville, Georgia. And you and I agreed, Bo, that one of the things we wanted to do with North Georgia Business Radio X is to spotlight those who are making the community better through their charitable endeavors. We've done that with some of our guests who talk about their part-time contributions, their involvement as volunteers and so on. But today we're going to be privileged to talk with someone who leads one of the very important organizations here. Kay Blackstock, Executive Director of the Georgia Mountain Food Bank. And before I introduce her, I want to mention that Kay and I happened to see each other in a local store recently. We were talking about her being on the program. I said to her, Kay, occasionally, if I do something where I have to skip a meal, I played golf or I went to a meeting and worked extra length or something, and I skip lunch. I have the privilege of knowing 
that I'm going to get make up for that. I have food waiting on me. But there are people who don't. And Kay Blackstock has done a marvelous job for at least a dozen years through the Georgia Mountain Food Bank. Welcome, Kay. Thank you so much for having me. What a privilege it is. Privilege for us and for our listeners. Tell me, Kay, what prompted you to get into the mission, which really you consider it, of helping people who have insufficient food? Well, it uh, sort of found me instead of me finding it, for sure. Um, I was an employee of the North Georgia Community Foundation, and you know the Community Foundation looks out there into the surrounding area and thinks about you know what could we do to make things better and we were always doing those types of projects and so uh, we had a, a food pantry in our building we ran a nonprofit office complex which the community foundation still does that on oak street and it, it was a world of experience with a world of different nonprofit organizations but one of our clients was a, a, a one of our tenants was a food pantry and a young lady walked in the door one day that I knew and I just thought that she was there maybe for ballet tickets or symphony tickets or to visit the league office but in fact she was there to visit the food pantry and that was the beginning of of an awakening for us really oh my goodness what can we do if anything to help um people who are struggling with food insecurity or hunger and the rest is um kind of history now what what would be um, some of the major events that you have coming up well obviously our annual empty bowl lunch is coming up on tuesday september the 24th and it's a big a big event for us it's our only fundraiser but this year we moved it to the Uh, Ramsey Conference Center at Lanier Technical College so that we could um, invite even more people to participate. Uh, Last year we had over 850 guests so now we have room for just a few more. Is this the one where uh, people buy bowls that have been painted? Yes so Mm -hmm. the concept is pretty simple that guests come and they receive a, a simple meal and there are hand-painted individual bowls on tables throughout the banquet hall and each guest gets to choose a bowl to take home with them as a reminder of what they did to help fill empty bowls in the community. I attended that one time you you may remember Mike Banks introduced me to that event and I still have that bowl on my shelf. Well Kay I think I'm excited you're here today because I think hunger in our community sometimes there's not an awareness. I don't, I don't think a lot of people know how significant and real the problem really is. Is there anything you could share with us as far as stories or just data here locally of, wow, this is a real problem? So thank you for asking me that question. And it, it is a beautiful tie-in to what um, our current campaign is called Faces of Hunger. And the idea is that hunger, the face of hunger could look just like you are just like the person sitting next to you. There's not a stereotype. Many, many people suffer in silence. Um, as a mother of a single mother with three small children, um, I had multiple jobs and I worked to make ends meet. And I was fortunate that I had family to help me, but a lot of people do not. And um, they're making difficult choices. Uh, whether you put gas in your car or 
you pay the rent and then how are you going to go to the grocery store and buy your groceries so um the the numbers are really startling and i always have people ask me well if the economy has gotten better then i'm sure that you're you're not seeing as many people but it's quite the opposite because the folks that were already struggling when the economy went in the tank um, never had you know that that took them down even further and yes things have improved thankfully things have improved for lots of people but in, instead of it Im- improving for everyone, those that were already downtrodden have just not had that same opportunity to recover. I think our local media has done a, a fairly good job of alerting us to the fact that homelessness is still a huge problem. And I would imagine there's a tie-in there with hunger. There's a there's a huge tie-in with homelessness. And homelessness is not necessarily a folks that are are visible to your eye there are lots of families and we encounter them frequently who are living um, either in their automobiles with their children are they're they're going from place to fl- place trying to just have a roof over their head and I recently had a mother with a teenager and a small baby uh, come to our facility and even though we're not a direct client service facility we're a distribution warehouse for the other food pantries we still have somewhere around 50 to 60 different families show up to our building looking for food assistance and she was in a van and they had a tiny baby and they they came in asking for assistance and I went to the car with them and mattresses and blankets and all of their belongings were in the back of that van and that's where they they were um, sadly uh, living so one of the experiences I remember from several years ago I was in the CNN building in downtown Atlanta And as I was eating a sandwich, I saw a man sitting across maybe 50 feet away, and he kept looking at me. And when I'd finished half of my sandwich, he pointed to my plate. I could tell he wanted the other half, and that's what he was there for, to try to get food. Well, there are lots of stories, but they're not all like that. Um, Like I said, there there are many grandparents for example, who found themselves raising grandchildren that they weren't expecting. Um, Their nest egg, if they have one, was already very small. And when it gets depleted, it's depleted. And they have little mouths to feed and and bodies to clothe. So, you know, if there's a church food pantry close by, that's such a blessing to to that grandparent. Um, Just lots of different stories. Uh, Folks my age, uh, maybe a you know, time of their life if they lose their job or they get a divorce or they get sick and, you know, things take a turn to the south. Well, you know, they they have to humble themselves and and, and they're in a place they've never been before their whole life. Um, uh, so they're just in a stereotype to it. Well, Kay, I know there's a lot of work that has to go on to help these families at 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 the food bank now how is that done is it mainly volunteers is there local business sponsorships what makes this thing go because it seems like there's a lot of moving parts here. sure um and it's it's a huge business that people um just can't imagine very often when people come to the food bank to visit the first thing that comes out of their mouth is wow i had no idea yeah. 
So we're distributing somewhere around 200, 250,000 pounds of food every month out of just our little 22,000 square feet. But um, to put in perspective for you, the Atlanta Community Food Bank, which is our partner, distributes almost 60 million pounds of food um, out of their warehouse every year. the thing that separates uh, Georgia Mountain Food Bank is that before we built this facility, there was nothing that was large enough and had the refrigerated space and the freezer space to accommodate unsellable and surplus food. And so, so now that we have the facility, it's not we, we have less being dumped and more staying here and going directly to agencies who are on the front lines every day feeding people. So, it, you know, uh, we serve as a distributor. Uh, I say a, a micro-performance food service in Oakwood. Instead of um, sending our food to restaurants, we're sending our food to food pantries and other feeding groups in five counties here in North Georgia. Okay, and that was what I was going to ask, that territory might be a bad word but what are those is the contiguous counties around hall or what's what's that (laughs) so i like to just call it the little cutout heart of northeast georgia that they gave us to serve in that we were assigned those counties um, through our contract with the atlanta community food bank so um, they're naturally around hall county which is our home Um, I I very often get the question about White County and Habersham County, but no worries because our peer, the Food Bank of Northeast Georgia, whose home is in Athens, Georgia, actually covers um, those counties. So there are seven food banks in the Georgia Food Bank Association covering the entire state with the help of the Chattanooga Area Food Bank in Northwest Georgia. This uh, enormous amount of food that you provide, does this come from contributions? Well, again, we are kind of unique. There's not one like us um, that I'm aware of anywhere within the Feeding America network, but we're a partner distribution organization of the Atlanta Community Food Bank, and our primary source of food is salvage from retail um, grocery stores. So when we were talking about retail earlier, uh, it makes us very, very nervous to see uh, retail stores um, struggling the way that they do because that's our primary source of food. About 60% of the food that Georgia Mountain Food Bank has to distribute comes from the retail market. And we have 29 stores that our trucks are on the road um, every day of the week. Um, some of those stores get pickups three times a week, and that's your Walmart, Sam's, Kroger, Publix, Aldi, uh, Sprouts, and several others. So, Okay, has there been an, an initiative or an effort to, I, I know we need to get food to the people that need food, but what about healthy food, having access to, to healthier food? Thank you for asking. I'm so, so proud that this past year, Georgia Mountain Food Bank was able to distribute uh, as much fresh produce, fruits and vegetables, as we did dry goods. And that was a record for us. And it was a very intentional uh, movement on our part, uh, holistically uh, requesting uh, through food drives a most needed items list that includes whole grains, low sugar, low sodium. And then our retail partners 
uh, made a movement with us, and they started donating fresh fruits and vegetables to us that had more than just a minute of life left on it. So we had time to get it distributed. And, and, and the movement moved all the way through to our partner agencies. Um, in the past, the partner agencies, being very small, did not have the facility to accommodate ca- taking produce because oftentimes in the past, the produce would be at the end of its life at best. Uh, so they didn't want to get the produce and take it back to their place just to throw it away. But now that our retail uh, um, outlets are donating produce to us of, of a higher quality, then, then you know, they're eager to take fresh produce and get it out to our clients. So it's been, it's been wonderful to watch the shift. What a move. Yeah. How do you handle a cynic who says, well, you know, giving people food, they ought to earn it instead? <laughs> oh well so we um you guys talked about education um education is a big part of my work i thought after 12 years I, you must be living under a rock if you don't understand what we're doing here but many 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 times if i go and i have the privilege to speak in front of an audience i will say if it this does not touch your heart like it does mine let me help you with a business uh, uh, situation here there's plenty of food and we always knew that I mean that's why we got in got into ex- connecting the food to people in need because there's plenty of food so would you just prefer that we just throw that um, surplus food into the garbage can or would you like to have it consumed by human beings who desperately need it I mean your choice and sometimes you got to break it down a little mind shift there I can see <laughs> you that. do that's... have to break it down to a mind shift well let if somebody's out there listening, and and Kay, you've done such a good job educating us today on what's going on out there, is there anything you would you would want to get out beyond what we said to the public about what you do, the food bank, and, and any other just information? So, so absolutely, in twelve years, we would not have been able to reach um, the people that we've been able to reach without people having open minds, and. Um, I think just in general in our world today, we need to be less quick to judge and 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 to be open-minded to uh, what you do uh, to help somebody today might turn around and help you one day in the future. So that's what I would say. And you said something powerful that it's one event away from it being any of us. Absolutely. In this situation. And, and if we think about it, we either know someone or we've been there. Well, there's so many families living paycheck to paycheck, and and I'm very proud of our community's movement uh, addressing mental health um, because people who are without hope and uh, in despair, um, you know, being hungry or not having enough food to eat is just one component and our community is stepping up to to address holistically that these we need to find ways to provide resources for people who are struggling um just just in general and and give them hope and encourage them and food's just a tool for us well there's a couple angles i want to i want to hit here Kay. if i'm somebody's out there listening they say you know what that's something I resonate with, I believe in, and they want to get involved in help. Is there, what would you tell that person? I would tell that person that absolutely volunteers are the backbone of the work that we're able to do. And I'll give you just an example. I heard um, at a meeting with the National Network recently about a food bank with 115 employees who distributed seven, distributed seven and a half million pounds of food. 
and it cost them just under $12 million to do it. Georgia Mountain Food Bank distributed 5.5 million pounds of food with 11 staff and a $1.5 million 